Every holiday season, we see the words hope, peace, joy, and love. But we rarely feel this way. Too often we try to fill the void with songs, gifts, and family gatherings, but we are left longing for more. In the midst of this holiday season, where do we look to find these things? There is only one true bringer of hope, one true bringer of peace, one true bringer of joy, and one true bringer of love. His name is Jesus, for unto us a Savior is born, and Christmas is only the beginning of better things to come. Yes, I'm going to say it again, if you don't mind, Merry Christmas. I'm so glad that you're here today, that we get to worship together, that we get to celebrate together, and that together we get to kick off this Christmas season. The title of this series we're kicking off right now, the culmination of this is going to be Christmas Eve. The title of the series is, have you ever heard this? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Somebody should write a song with that in the lyrics. We're going to gear up that that message that you just heard in video, there's a series of words that we hear often in the Christmas season. Some of those words are weird. I'm on hold last week with, I think it was an insurance office, and it's Christmas songs playing, and I was just struck by the number of just, we don't use these words very often. I'm not even sure sometimes what these words mean. What's a Yuletide log? I don't know. Glad tidings we bring to you and your kin. I think this is just a fancy way of saying your mama and them. Figgy pudding. I don't even know what that is. Partridge in a pear tree. Not real sure what that is. Boughs of holly. There's these weird words we use. You just heard a couple of them that get mentioned in the Christmas season often. Joy. Peace. Love. I'm curious. I'm curious how many of you grew up in the church. Not everybody did. I'm so grateful. If you didn't grow up in church, I'm glad you're here at Venture. If you did grow up in the church, though, and I'm curious, did you grow up in a, in a, in a tradition that did the Advent candles, the Advent countdown? Yeah, I see some hands going up. I did not grow up in that tradition. I want to lean into that this year, though, at Venture. Each weekend, we're counting down, if we can, the weekends. It'll culminate Christmas Eve. We're going to look at some of those words, joy, peace, love. The title of the message today is, because it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, if it is, it should look like hope. So today, if you'll join me over here, I want to light the hope candle. Each one of these candles represent one of those words that we're going to be talking about as we gear up to light the Christ child candle. This weekend is all about hope. And here's where I want to leave you today. Where there is not hope, bring it. For some of you, that's in your own heart. For some of you, you need a pep talk today because you don't feel hope in your own heart. For many of us, we look around the world around us and we know the world desperately needs a dose of the hope that God can provide. Well, where there's not hope, bring it. So that word hope, I don't know where you're at 
on the hope spectrum today. Maybe there are things that you've hoped for, you feel a little bit lacking. Like maybe you're, you're hoping for a group of friends that finally sees you for who you are. Maybe you're hoping for a job promotion and you just, oh, I want that thing. I want, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Maybe there's relational conflict in your life and you're feeling some hope. You want hope. You're desperately hoping against all hope. Maybe my parents will get back together. Or I've got a wayward child. Am I going to get to see them this Christmas? Maybe you're feeling hope or you're wanting hope. You're maybe hoping to risk some hope. You know somebody in your life who has a serious health care issue. Maybe you look around and you say, the world, oh, I hope it looks different than it does right now. We're told it's good to have hope, but hope is a tricky word. Is there a difference between wishing and hoping? I think there is. Some of you have a lot going on right now. Is it okay to hope for a new pair of Air Jordans? Is it okay to hope for world peace? Is that even attainable? Maybe the idea of hope makes you feel sad. It's just a reminder that there are things in your life that aren't as they should be. Maybe hope feels silly to you today. What's the point in hoping for something if you're just going to get disappointed anyway? Maybe hope seems pointless because you're really asking the question, is God actually in control? Maybe hope feels naive or it's just for gullible people, not for you. No matter what your feelings are on the idea of hope, well, we need to ask some questions. Why do we have it? Why is hope even a thing? Why does it matter? What does this have to do with Christmas? I would suggest to you today it has everything to do with Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It should look like hope. Before we go any further, we probably should grab a working definition. What in the world does hope mean? For our purposes today, I want to define it for you. Hope is the true belief that your future can and maybe should be better than your now. And that you have a role to play in it. Does the back half of that definition grab your attention? It should. This time of year, well, even two or three weeks ago, people start decorating for Christmas. I don't know how this works in your family. I learned my first year of marriage, it's been almost 30 years now, that first year I realized it's kind of better for me just to kind of stay out of the way. Dawn has a creative vision, and my, like, deer skulls and antlers don't fit her creative vision. That doesn't stop me from messing with her every year, as you should understand. And she's tired of that old joke. But if I get out of her way, she's got beautiful things. She makes the house look beautiful. She always gives me a token thing or two. A few years ago, she gave me a gift. I've talked about this before. I love my hipster nativity set. It just makes me giggle every time I look at it. It's a contemporary or a five or six year ago version of contemporary nativity set. And this is what it looks like this time of year, all boxed up, just kind of sitting there. The difference between wishing and hoping. Wishing. I wish that were set up. I wish I could enjoy that. I'm looking at Dawn, are you going to set it up? That's wishing. Hoping, oh, hoping is me taking an active role in that. 
and grabbing prime real estate on top of the mantle. I love this nativity set. You've got Mary and Joseph. Mary's doing a duck face. I don't know if that's, that's probably not even still a thing anymore. She's carrying, holding her Starbucks, and Joseph is taking a selfie of the baby Jesus and Mary. Uh, the wise men, I love the three wise men here, the messengers that are showing up with Amazon delivery boxes. The three presents, the three wise men. Hope, wishing, hope. When we have hope and expectation that things can look different, we get involved in making the change we want to see. We start decorating the tree. We start setting up the nativity. Are you catching it? Where wishing waits, hope hunts opportunity. And hope gets involved. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Let me roll up my sleeves and engage in being the change that I want to see. Hope looks like seeking out opportunities to make the tree or the nativity look better than it does right now. Hope finds an active role to play. When you were a kid, did you wish for Christmas presents? I did. Maybe you wished for a Red Ryder BB gun. That wasn't me. That was for chumps. I didn't want a Red Ryder BB gun. I wanted the Crossman Air Rifle. Sixth grade, it was underneath the tree. All the neighborhood cats and birds feared me. I got that wish. What I really wished for, though, was one of those original Nintendo games. I had to go to my buddy Chad Farwell's basement to rescue the princess. I wanted that for my own wishing. Ah. That's literally all you have to do. You make the wish, and then you just wait and see what happens. But hope is different. Hope isn't about sitting around and waiting for something to happen. Hope is wanting something to happen and then participating in the process. Are you tracking with me? It's active. It's involved. It's engaged. It's something that can change you. It can maybe even inspire you to act. Okay, grab your Bibles. Pull your Bibles out if you have not already. I'm in Jeremiah chapter 33. If you want to grab one of those Bibles that's underneath the seat in front of you, grab that, pull it out. I'm on page 792 in those Bibles. Page 792, Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah, we're going old school, Old Testament. Jeremiah is the name of a book that's named after the prophet who is, God is using to speak to his people. It's been a week or two since we've gotten out our hand map. Let's go ahead and do that right now. If this is the nation of Israel, well, at this point, it's two geographic locations. Israel is the northern kingdom. Judah is the southern kingdom. Jeremiah is speaking to a group of people. There is a few, a remnant here in Jerusalem. But most of the people he's speaking to, they ain't here. They're off the map. They're about 1,700 miles walking distance away from Jerusalem. They've literally been drugged by their hair by the Babylonian Empire. They're all the way over in Babylon. They're living amidst a bunch of godless people that don't act like them, don't have the same customs that they have, don't believe in the same God that they worship. And it's in the midst of this context that God speaks hope. Yeah. Exactly in that context. Jeremiah 33. Let's look at it. 
Verse 14, the days are coming. Ah, the best is yet to come. The, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill. That's a big word. I make good on my promises. If I say it, you can take that to the bank. I'll fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. By the way, at this point, it's been a couple hundred years since Israel was carried off like drugged by their hair by the Assyrian Empire. Sennacherib came in, came in and just opened up a can. I mean, he just wasted the land. The lost tribes of Israel, that was this group. But God is speaking to the remnant in exile way over here, and he's saying, I'm going to make good on my promise to everybody, and you're going to get to benefit from this. To the people of Israel and Judah in those days and at the time and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. Good King David, back when it was a united kingdom, the golden era in the reign of Israel, that David, and he, who I'm talking about, will do what is just and right in the land. They're listening with bated breath. Who are you talking about? Who is this good king? In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which this promise will be called. And if you are a Bible student, maybe you grew up in church, you know this Christmas story well. The dashboard lights should be blinking. The Lord, our righteous Savior. He'll be called Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. Your Savior, Jesus, hundreds of years before the incarnational truth of Jesus becoming God in the flesh, the promise is there. Hope is on the horizon. There's so much we can learn from this text today as we light the Advent candle, as we lean into this season we're stepping into right now. If I could summarize what Jeremiah is telling this group, this group of people, he's saying, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Hold on to hope. There's going to be a time when we'll be back home we're not going to be stuck here where we are forever. You're being held captive by a foreign empire that does not believe in God. But there will be a time when an even better king will come from a family. You all know that family. It's going to rule like a good and righteous king. In other words, it's the start of better things. It feels bad now, but it won't be this way forever. Hold out hope. Now, when they first got drugged by their hair from Jerusalem, away over here, 1,700 miles walking distance away, there were a group of, we'll call them false prophets, who spoke things to the people like, you know what? Cheer up. It's not that bad. We'll be out of here soon. But Jeremiah spoke truth to them. He said, those are false prophets. They are just telling you, the Bible talks about what your itch, uh, itching ears want to hear. They're just telling you what you want to hear. It's not even the truth. The truth is, and Jeremiah says, we're actually going to be in Babylon for a long time. So get comfortable. Make friends. Go to work. Be a missionary right where you've been planted. Get comfortable. But don't lose hope. 
Hold out for hope. In the long run, in the distant future, we're going to get out. And how did they know who to listen to, the false prophets or Jeremiah? Listen, it would have been easier to listen to the message, well, you're going to leave sooner. That's what they wanted to hear. That was better news. But Jeremiah was speaking for God. He made his message trustworthy. And that was something in his message, something that people could put their hope in. It wasn't wishful thinking. It was hope-filled believing because of who the message was coming from. It was coming from a God they can count on. Hope is possible. But I want to give you three observational truths from this passage and the totality of Scripture. As we light the Advent candle, as we think about hope, as we think about the season we're leaning into right now, let me say it clearly, hope doesn't just happen. Hope doesn't just happen. There's some observational truths surrounding this. If you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. Here's the first one. The thing that makes hope possible is the who behind the hope. The who behind the hope. I kind of like to say that. It kind of rolls off the tongue. Say that with me, will you? The who behind the hope. The thing that makes it possible, hope, is the who behind the hope. Have you ever spent time with somebody? They say they're going to do it, and you just know it's getting done. You can trust them. They say it, you can take that to the bank. Well, the people of Judah in exile Way over here, they can put their hope in the message for several reasons. First of all, they knew God's character. He says something. He does what he says he'll do. They believed God was looking out for them. By the way, we can know these truths as well. They knew that they could count on God's goodness so can we. We can count on God's goodnesses, goodness rather to be real, even when we know our circumstances are far from good. When you have hope in the one making the promise, you can have hope in the promise itself. That's what the people of Judah are doing here, and we, by extension, can do that as well. Hope doesn't just happen. The who behind the hope is pretty important. Check out this second observational truth. Hope doesn't just happen. God's gift, it's Christmas after all, something better than a Red Ryder BB gun and that Nintendo game that I wanted as a kid. God's gift then and now, by the way, is Jesus. It's the very best present you could hope for. Because we think about hope, the candle that's lit, Jesus is hope personified. He's God in a body. He's hope personified. We have a future. The Bible, oh, I've been thinking about grief the last couple of weeks. I know we have folks in our church. This is a hard time of year because you've lost somebody. I love that phrase in the Bible. We grieve, yeah, we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. We have hope in a future, a hope in eternity because of Jesus. He's hope personified. 
God was giving the people of Judah a person to hope in for their future. By the way, God gives us today a person, a Savior, the Christ child, Emmanuel, the incarnational embodiment of God to hope in for our future. There's so many promises of God that we could anchor in today. I don't have time to explore them all. Can I share just a few with you, though? Maybe you're feeling a distinct lack of hope. Lean into the promises that God promises you from his word. How about this one? God promises us. You feel lost? He promises to guide us. I love this passage in Psalm 48, verse 14. He will be our guide even to the end. David, we referenced David earlier. He talks about a light into my path. Yeah, our God is the guide. This is a promise. How about this one? He promises to love us no matter what. Some of us need to hear that today. There's somebody in this space, I don't know who you are, but I bet somebody's sitting here and you are feeling a distinct lack of hope because you just screwed up. We call that sin. You just made a big mistake. And you're feeling, oh, how could God love me? God promises to love us no matter what. You're not trash. (laughs) You are a genuine, loved child of God. Maybe I'm describing you and you need to confess some sin. You need to receive the embrace of a loving Heavenly Father. If I just described you when the service is done, come spend some time with my friend Daniel Shelton under the cross. He would love to talk with you and encourage you and pray with you. And Maybe there's something that needs to be unburdened and let go of. God promises to love us no matter what. Check this out, Isaiah chapter 54. This phrase, unfailing love for you. I like this word, covenant. This is a solemn promise. Covenant of peace. I'm not going to take that away, God says. He has compassion on you. The promise of God is that he promises to love us. When we've invited ourselves, asked him to be our Lord and our Savior, he promises to love us no matter what. How about this? To be faithful to us. He promises to be faithful. I love 2 Timothy chapter 2. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because he can't disown himself. I love that. It's not even in the nature of God. He can't divorce himself from that part of his nature. He's faithful. How about this one? Here's a promise from God for you. He promises us wisdom. Dawn was going through some old files just a couple days ago, and she found a Houts spiritual gift inventory test that she took when we were back in college. It's been like 30 years ago. She said, oh, look at this. I just found this. I said, let me guess what your spiritual gifts are. I bet I can get these. And I got pretty close. One of the gifts that she shared is the gift of wisdom. And I happen to remember that is a being gift. It's active, not passive. It's dynamic. It's a promise from Scripture. James chapter 1, verse 5, if you lack wisdom, ask God. God gives generously without finding fault. He'll give you more wisdom. Maybe you're needing more of that in your life right now. Are you asking him for wisdom on the decisions that you're facing today that feel contribute 
to a lack of hope that you're feeling. How about this promise? He gives us peace. I love the Bible talks about this crazy peace that passes understanding. And it's right there. It's a gift for us to receive. Jesus says this to his disciples. His last night on earth, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't, give, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't, don't be afraid. I give you my peace. And how about this one? Here's a promise from God that we belong to him as our heavenly father. I love the language in scripture that talks about adoption as an adoptive daddy. I love that for my family. I love that for my church family. He chose you. He chases you down. He adopts you into his family. I love that whole passage in Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 15. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, daughtership. You belong to his family because he chose you, he adopted you, and by him we cry, Daddy. And we crawl up on his knee. And we feel his loving embrace. Do you feel a distinct lack of hope? Look at that promise from Scripture. You belong to him. He's your heavenly father. Promises from God are all over Scripture. I wish I had time today to unpack more, but that's just a taste. I told you there are three observational truths. Hope doesn't just happen. Stop wishing. Start hoping. Here's the third one. God's trustworthy. If he says he'll do it, you can take that to the bank. We can put our hope in, and we can count on him because he is trustworthy. Can I ask you this? Who or what has your hope today that should not? They haven't earned it. What would it look like if you put your hope in God instead? Wishing is simply wanting something to happen, but hope asks for our participation. We invite God into the equation, give us a reason for the hope. It also means we look around at the world around us and we see a distinct lack of hope. We engage, we roll up our sleeves, we get in the game. Quite simply put, let me say it this way. Where there is not hope, as a Jesus follower, bring it. Where there's not hope, this holiday season, this Christmas season, bring hope. For example, do you want to see an end to world hunger? Well, go feed some hungry people. You want to see less litter in the park? Pick up some trash. You want to make more of an impact? Volunteer to serve in our kids' ministry this Christmas Eve season. Do you want to have a workplace or a school with less bullying or less drama? Well, be the person that stops gossiping and includes everybody. Where there's not hope, bring it. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, right? Is it? Do you see hope? Let me ask it this way. Who will you bring hope to this Christmas. I had a conversation just not long ago with a recent widower in our church. And we talked a lot of heart emotion kind of stuff. And I heard loneliness, that word used. 
Oh, come sit with me. Or I'll rather, I'll sit with you. I don't want you to feel that when you come back to church. Look around. Where do you see a lack of hope? Go there. Roll up your sleeves. Where there's not hope, bring it. How about your one? Did you know that the Christmas season, Easter is similar, but in the Christmas season, people are looking for this opportunity. They desperately want hope. They feel it in their soul that they're missing this. This is a great time to invest and invite. Toward that end, we're doing a whole series of Christmas Eve services. There are easier ways to do this. We're choosing the hard way because we want to make it convenient for you to invest in and invite somebody to come with you. We'll have two options on New Year or Christmas Day, Christmas Eve Day. That's a Sunday, 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. There's two options that day. But we're backing up a few days before that even. We have this sneaking suspicion there will be folks who will leave town because they can. Maybe they'll get off work early on Friday, and so we're doing a Christmas Eve service. Get this on Thursday night, 7 p.m. I'd love to pack the house that night with you. Maybe you're leaving town for the weekend. Come and join us before you leave. Better than that, bring somebody with you. Bring hope with you this Christmas season. And we want to provide every opportunity we can toward that end. Who are you going to bring hope to this Christmas? By the way, we've got invitations we'll have available on your way out today. Take as many of those as you'll hand out. Invest and invite folks to come and be a part of Christmas. Why? Well, it's in the Word. It's in the season. We read about this. The fancy theological word is incarnational. Jesus was incarnational. This is what it means. Emmanuel, God with us. He takes on the form. He takes on the form of human flesh. And he makes his dwelling among us. That's incarnational. Could I challenge you? Jesus was incarnational. You be incarnational. Roll up your sleeves. Immerse yourself in becoming Jesus to a culture that desperately needs to see him. This is what hope is all about. Remember, Jesus is hope personified. Can I give you a moment to internalize that, to soak on that? Maybe when you think about bringing hope, you need to bring it first to your heart so you can bring it to others. As you came in today, you probably noticed there, was some, there were some communion elements on the seat. Grab those right now. The bread, <clears throat> bread represents his body broken. The juice represents his blood shed. Jesus is hope personified. Jesus' arrival, the Christmas season we're gearing down, gearing up for. Jesus' arrival changed everything. Jesus arriving was hope fulfilled. Would you lean into that truth right now? I'm going to pray to get it started. I'm going to invite you to spend some time with Jesus, this moment of communion. You take the bread and the juice whenever you are ready. We're going to have a moment to soak on this, to think about hope, to lean into the truth, and then we'll respond from there. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Let's go to him in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your gift of hope. We think about your body broken and your blood shed. It reminds us that these are eternal truths we're leaning into. Hope. Not just for this day, but for the days and the years and the eternity 
become hope. Nudge us, whisper in our ear, where there is not hope, challenge us to bring it. Remind us of those spaces we need to lean into over the next few weeks. And it's in your name, in Jesus' name, we pray and we take communion. Amen.